0: swings like a pendulum do. Bob is on bicycles two by two. Westminster Abbey, the Tower of Big Ben, the rosy red cheeks of the little children. Georgie girl. I don't want to belabor this point, but podcasting is hard. We've done 10 shows now. The gestation period for those shows was over a year, but I dare to hope that we have overcome some technical humps. Some program changes are taking place. We are transitioning away from following themes taken from an old defunct magazine and we will now be following a less random approach where our themes are derived from the bottles of wine we can easily obtain pregnant pause yeah, why don't we do that so today we will be exploring swinging London the phrase refers to a time during the 60s when the world was looking at the youth culture springing up in London the music the kids were listening to the fashions they were sporting Everything happening in London was setting the trends. I think this was a real cool time, but I didn't really know much about it. So I went to the one source for information that has never failed me, the movies. I watched Georgie Girl, Darling, Repulsion, and several other swinging movies. Here's what I learned about swinging London. Young ladies really need to avoid sports cars convertibles mainly. These cars seemed to show up and thereafter a life would be changed forever. I'm not sure how this worked, but it was tied to a woman's sexual freedom and the problems of unwed motherhood. This theme appeared so often in tandem with the sports cars it made me wonder. Our first chapter and verse is a good example. Did you know the movie? Last episode we described a scene from this film. It happens to fit into the swinging London theme. That movie was... wait for it... Bunny Lake is Missing. The film was released in 1964. It's black and white. It was directed by Otto Preminger. And it stars Laurence Olivier, Carol Lindley, and Kier Dulé. Bunny Lake was filmed in real locations in and around London. You can see more about the locations at a website called movie-locations.com. They have four listings for Bunny Lake locations with photographs and descriptions. Otto Priminger also directed one of my favorite movies, Laura. Something the two movies share, besides a mystery, is the characters or suspects in both films are fascinating. The characters in Bunny Lake are exceedingly creepy. Nearly everyone in Bunny Lake's world, besides the police, behave childlike in one way or another. Noel Coward, who we will hear a bit later, plays Wilson the Landlord. He may be the creepiest character in Bunny Lake is missing. All while he's chasing and pawing at Ann Lake, he behaves like a child who craves attention. And later, when he suggests he would enjoy it if a policeman would whip him, it comes off the same way. I really want you to check the movie out, and this movie might be spoiled quite easily, so I'm just going to say that a supposedly unwed mother is put up against it, and a sports car is involved. There you go. If you watch the film, I would really enjoy your comments. You get bonus points if you spot the rock group, the zombies, in the film. That's actually how I found the movie. I was looking for information about the zombies, and I had thought I remembered seeing them in a movie, but it turned out I was confused. Blow Up has a brief few shots of the Yardbirds. Different movie, different band. If you're into wine, there are many subtopics that you might investigate. You might be interested in winemakers, their personalities and what they're trying to accomplish. Or you might be interested in the science of fermentation. You might enjoy learning about various wine regions. That would encompass geography and weather. And you might like to know about grape varieties. I find a little bit of any of these topics goes a long way anymore and the discussion quickly gets boring for me. The winemakers for Mad Dogs and Englishmen cleverly combined a reference to the climate of their region and one of the winemakers country of origin. The song that the wine is named after Mad Dogs and Englishmen is a patter song all about how heat and sunlight doesn't bother Englishmen
1: tropical climes, there are certain times of day When all the citizens retire to take their clothes off and perspire It's one of those rules the greatest fools obey Because the sun is far too sultry And one must avoid its ultraviolet (laughs) rays The natives grieve when the white men leave their huts Because they're obviously, definitely nuts Mad dogs and Englishmen go out in the midday sun. The Japanese don't care to, the Chinese wouldn't dare to. Hindus and Argentines sleep firmly from 12 to 1, but Englishmen detest star, siesta.
0: One of the winemakers, Guy Anderson, hails from England. The region the grapes from Mad Dogs and Englishmen wine are grown in is southern Spain, where there is a lot of sun and heat. The altitude is high enough where the nights get chilly. This combination of hot and cold makes the grapes grow smaller, but with concentrated juices. I'm here with number 11. What are we drinking tonight?
1: Tonight we are drinking Mad Dogs and Englishmen. It's a mix of Shiraz, Cabernet, and Monastrell. It is produced in Spain.
0: Is there an animal on the label?
1: It's got a dog jumping in the middle of the words mad dog. Kind of a cute little, I don't know, terrier dog. All right, what does this have to do with our theme?
0: The name of this wine comes from a Noel Coward song from the 1930s. And our theme for this show is Swinging London. Number 11 and I have now visited London. What did you enjoy most?
1: Oh, pretty much everything the way they talked, the way they drove. The drivers here are so much more friendly. Sorry? The drivers here are so much more friendly than the Washington, D.C. area. <laughs> <laughs> you guys let each other in. <laughs> yeah. That's how we get back, you know? It's the only way we get around. Yep. It was so sweet seeing drivers who were conscientious. Somebody needed to let, be let in, they let him in.
0: Number 11, what was the swingingest part of our trip to London?
1: Going to the hippodrome, seeing La Clique. La Clique, that was just awesome. It was like going to the circus almost. Actually, it is the circus. What was your favorite thing over in London?
0: The thing I enjoyed the most was wandering around Fortnum and Mason. Actually, going down into the lower level at Fortnum and Mason at their cheese counter and asking if they had stinking Bishop. They did, and they gave us a taste. I also liked hanging out in the London IMAX theater bar. Uh, I was wondering who selected the music. <laughs> All right, it's my laptop. Oh, it's very nice. The last one was Boom Bit. <laughs> Boom Bit. Boom Bit yeah. yeah, it's got a very strange selection of like, uh, jazz and yeah. kind of more bluesy stuff like this. Well, good taste, I think. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's good, you never know where it's going to jump next because I've got the like, shuffle. Oh, so we'll okay, get quite kind of jazz style And then there'll be some tech- like the What will we be pairing Mad Dogs with tonight? This is not to be confused with Mad Dog 2020 Which we will not be reviewing ever
1: Well we decided to go with several English cheeses One is a double Gloucester with a Stilton And the other is a Wensleydale with blueberries
0: Shall we score this wine? Let's do
1: The wine name is Mad Dogs and Englishmen from 2005. How would you rate the color?
0: I'm not a big fan of the color. You said it was murky. Yes. That might overlap into the next category, the clarity. As colors go, it's a reddish brown. You said it was almost blood colored.
1: Yes, it looks a little bit like it could be a rusty burgundy.
0: We usually give wines a high mark for color. Color's usually a gimme. But I'm only giving it an 8. What do you think?
1: So I don't think the color is very nice. Usually when I look at them, one of my favorite things is looking at the color. So I would go
0: lower. Well, if you say 6 and I say 8, let's go 7.
1: Okay. The next category is the clarity.
0: I would give it a maybe a 9 because it's not as uh, exceptional as it could be. I would say 8. Okay, well, I'll go with your 8.
1: The next is the body of it.
0: I like the body. I'll go 10.
1: Now, our next thing is aroma notes.
0: I'm not smelling anything on the nose, so I'm going to have to give that a lower mark. Four. I smell nothing.
1: Put your four down. The next one is taste notes.
0: This is a wine blend, as you said. We've never tried the Monastrel grape. I've done a little bit of research. I know that it's. Uh, the area of spain where the monastrel grape is grown is jumilla or jumilla it's a 50 percent monastrel and so that is going to be the f- flavor most characteristic of the wine i'm not enjoying the taste i do like that it's very dry i can feel the tannins yeah the tannins are drying out my mouth and making my mouth water a bit so In that regard, it's going to be a good wine to eat with and not, like, simply to sip and enjoy, maybe on its own terms.
1: On the label, it says this type of wine. It is big, bold, and beautiful in the modern Spanish style. That's all they tell you.
0: Okay, I've got the Mad Dog Cheat Sheet. It says it's round and full with soft tannins and flavors of plum, berry, and cherry. I think plum is is usually a cop-out because I don't think plums have that much flavor. What would you grade uh, it? I've changed my mind about the flavors. I'm going to say that it has a sour cherry flavor.
1: I don't taste cherry, but
0: I do taste sour. To me, it almost tastes like Chianti. I'm going to say four. Now that my glass is uh, very nearly empty, I'm detecting another bit of aroma. If Very well could be pepper. The cheat sheet says something about a hint of white pepper.
1: I do notice something on my tongue. It's like when pepper touches it. So I guess maybe there could be some kind of peppery taste to it. There's like little explosions of pepper. Since we've now tasted the pepper, do we want to go back to taste notes and add maybe a little another point to it?
0: Yeah, I think we should alter the score for that. We gave it a four.
1: Should we go to five or maybe jump it up to six? All right, five it is. Let's talk about the complexity.
0: It's five years old. They're not boasting about its complexity either. I'm going to give it a low score of four.
1: I'll agree with you. The next thing we have is the acid balance.
0: Oh, it's got a terrific acid balance. I'm going to give it a ten.
1: Sounds good.
0: The alcohol balance is okay. Okay. It has a high alcohol level, but it doesn't overpower. The alcohol percentage for this wine is 14. Therefore, I will give the alcohol balance an eight.
1: All right, eight sounds good. The price for this bottle was $12.50. Now we're supposed to try to find one around 10. So this is over. Is it worth it?
0: I'm going to say that I might buy this again.
1: Well, the price score for this should be probably around an eight
0: yeah I, I agree with that score now we're gonna do the total
1: yes Rotwang. the grand total is 71
0: i wish i liked this wine better i think i will look for another bottle maybe 2005 was a poor year maybe the wine needs to be put aside for more than five years what did you like the least about london
1: the smoking that was a big no-no
0: My least favorite thing was riding on an articulated bus around Cavendish Square. I didn't think I was ever getting off. Yes, we will
1: be going back to London.
0: Thanks again, number 11.
1: Bye, Rotwang.
0: I have to be tricky with the hints in this chapter and verse. You'll probably guess the film very easily. This movie takes place in a public school. There's a bit of nudity. Some scenes are surreal or dreamlike. The film introduced an actor who would be cast in many parts where he was either receiving or doling out violence. Also this film was made to have actual chapter numbers and titles. They appear on screen. We'll be describing chapter 6, it's called Resistance, and it's eight minutes, five seconds long. Chapter 6 begins with a shot across what looks like a soccer field onto a church. We hear a hymn being sung, then there's a close-up of the church windows. We hear a student struggling to read Latin, and then we're inside the Latin class. The teacher wears strange dark sunglasses and smokes a pipe. He asks the student to translate the passage from the Latin into English. The translation is something along the lines of young men should be taken into battle to get familiar with blood, just like it is the practice to take puppies onto the battlefield to ready them for war. Once the word puppies is uttered, the scene cuts quickly to a close-up of our hero. His name is Travis, and this cut seems to be saying our hero is like one of these puppies. We see him smoking and pointing a dart pistol. He's in a small space, a study. The walls are plastered with photos from magazines. Some are black and white, and some are in color. Some of the photos are advertisements, some are pin-ups, some are political. Travis is shooting darts into the images between drags on a cigarette. Next, there's a small scene I am omitting here. It doesn't add much, but it does show a contrast to where most of the students are with where the three main characters are. And where they are is in this same study with the magazine-covered walls. There's Travis I mentioned before, Knightley, and Wallace. They're all there, and they're finishing off the last few drips of a bottle of vodka. Then Travis takes a straight razor and cuts the palm of each of their hands. They shake hands in a blood oath where each offers a platitude. Death to the oppressor.
1: The resistance. Liberty. One man can change the world with a bullet in the
0: right place. Travis moves off camera. The wall behind him contains images of soldiers. We stare at this wall until he returns to his pals and holding out a handful of bullets. The camera shows the now bloody hands of the three holding the bullets. Before the scene changes, we hear an old man singing. He's singing Ferris Isle. This song is from the end of a semi-opera about King Arthur's war against the Saxons. At the point in the opera that this song appears, the Britons have won the war and the goddess Venus is blessing the island of England. The lyrics are all about love. We see into the bedroom of a schoolmaster and his wife. The room is pink and flowery, a real love nest. It's a ridiculous scene. The schoolmaster and his wife sit on separate twin beds. He sits singing on his bed cross-legged in his pajamas, posed as if for a portrait. She is tucked into the bed, sitting up and accompanying her husband on a recorder. The sheet music covers her lap. The phrase that leaps to mind is sexually repressed. Possibly to drive this home, the scene cuts to the school nurse in another room. She's drowsing in a chair. She's smiling, listening to the music. Her hands move from her uniform to chest to fondle a pillow covered in a tiger print. The scene changes again, and now the film is in black and white. The camera tracks down a row of beds in a dormitory. The last bed shows two of the young boys in bed together. The older boy is Wallace, one of the three heroes. The scene cuts two stars in the sky. The camera is imitating a telescope with a round circular mask of black. We see a boy at a bathroom window looking up at the sky with a telescope. Travis walks into frame in the bathroom. A nerdy-looking boy says this, Space, you see, Michael, is all expanding, at the speed of light. It's a mathematical certainty that somewhere among all those millions of stars, there's another planet where they speak English. Travis looks up and we see the star field again, minus the telescope mask. This is Travis's point of view. Travis is toying with a bullet, He hands the bullet to the nerd. The nerd takes the proffered bullet, looks at it without interest, and hands it back. He invites Travis to take a look through the scope. Travis moves and sits behind the telescope. The masked telescopic view of the stars returns. The camera pans down from the stars to the building opposite the boys. There's a young girl brushing her hair. She's leaning out the window. Soon she looks directly at the telescope and begins to wave her hand. That's the end of chapter 6. Do you know this movie? The Rotcast musical bed you're hearing is called Haunted. It's used with the permission of the composer Kim Schutterle. If you have a good idea for a Rotcast theme or a wine suggestion for our review, email your idea to mail at rotcast.com or call the Rotline. The Rotline phone number will be posted at the website or Skype us at CallRotCast. Visit www.rotcast.com to learn more about the wines and link to more content. Listen next time when you will hear...
1: BRMC, what's that? Black Rebel Motorcycle Club! Isn't that cute? Hey, Johnny, what are you rebelling against?
0: What do you got?